I'm so glad you didn't say it as we recorded. Oh, I, I missed it? I don't know. No, you didn't. Well, welcome to <laughs> welcome to ministry. Yes, welcome to Integrity Ministries. We are <laughs> welcome to ministry. Uh, you've all been inducted to ministry, and you have no choice in the matter. Shut up, Alistair Bag. Let me just <laughs> Alistair say. Bag. Let me just say it's only been how long? Fifteen seconds, and you already hit us with the accent. And and it was a bad one. I I probably can't do it. I started uh, roasting well you as, as a pastor. Don't. Don't roast me as a pastor. I mean, he's a good dude. I'm I'm a very very nice person. I think I don't know. Um. So, what is the topic for today? Yeah, Isaac. Um. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna wing it, but our I scheduled mean, planner, Isaac. I'm trying to think. So, I mean, I guess important ministry. I mean. Fun fact. We could do a fun fact. Yeah, oh, yeah. Facts. We haven't done fun facts. So, my fun fact, I loved rollerblading in middle school. You, you have beef with roller skaters? Okay. So, this isn't the fun fact that I was going to go with. <laughs> I guess I can save my original fun fact for later on in the episode. Um, growing up, I was a skater boy. See you later, boy. Wait, didn't That's you talk about this said. last podcast? I don't know. But I feel like it was mentioned. When Isaac got here, I was playing Skate 3, <laughs> and I asked if he ever skated, and he said that he was a rollerblader no, and a scooterer. Wait, no. Wait, I, wait. S- I said I was the kid on the Razor scooter, and then all the kids <laughs> judged me, and I went to a penny board, and they still judged me, and I went to a rollerblading rink. I- for, for, like, the roller skates, were you, like, one of the people that used the skating, like, park to, like, do flips, or did you just, like, Oh, skate? no, it was, like, the blades, like, ah, like, the four wheels, like... All in one line? Yeah, all in one yeah, line. Oh, yeah. no, so he's still... And I, I just did laps. I mean, I was fast, but I wasn't that kid that would do laps around the kids who did laps. I was not that kid. Mm-hmm. I envied those kids a lot. So you were, like, sucky, but average at sucking. He was the envy yes. in, in between. Okay. Like, I was average loser. Okay, so our fun fact so far that that Isaac was a loser. <laughs> I was cool. Uh, uh, Seth, yours? I'm I'm a nerd. He was all uh, right. <laughs> you already used that one. I, yeah, no. You're a wimp. No. Uh, we love. You. I don't think so. Uh, so, uh, fun fact. There's there's gotta be one that I can actually answer. What what? Hold on. We have a brief interruption from our guest star. How are you, sir? Uh, Mr. G, what is up? How are you? We have Sam here. What's up, Dylan and McGee? Seth. Oh, no. Hey. Where the heck is my 50 grand? Uh, yeah, I declined that. <laughs> that was only a week ago. Oh, and... I listened I listen to, listen to the episode of the podcast. That was the funniest crap ever. <laughs> Who is your friend who's not a friend? Uh, Dylan McGee. <laughs> you, you know what's even funnier? You're being recorded right now. We're doing an episode now. Yeah, yeah. you're on the podcast. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Dude, that's... Wow. Hot hello, audience. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to turn out. Yeah, we, we might not be able to hear you, but... Wow, that's uh, a guest caller. Yeah, yeah. yes. Our what first guest caller. Our first one, yeah. So, Dylan, question. When are you coming up here? Oh, 
that is a great question, and I don't have an answer to that. I don't know if that's relevant to the podcast, but when I can. That's All right. the answer. I think it's related to the 50 grand Sam owes you. Oh, so. uh, yeah, that might be it. <laughs> I can't tell if that's a cop-out or an amazing answer. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, no, what are you guys talking about? So essentially, we're we were talking about our fun facts, yeah. and we have no topic for this week. <laughs> uh, we, we have. You have no. What about? What do you guys think about penal substitution? Ooh, penal Pen- substitution. Penal substitution. Yeah. That that's pretty interesting. <laughs> that's a good one. What What are your thoughts? Versus governmental. What? Versus governmental. Versus governmental? I'm not familiar. I don't think I'm familiar with that one. Yep. What about free trip, post trip? Oh, that's a fun one. But I feel like we should come in prepared (laughs) to that one. Yeah, that's one I'm going to have to study (laughs) up on. Because I know know what I believe. Right. What about, we can talk about why the 1611 King James is the only real translation of the Bible. Um, yeah. Oh, dude, that's my, that's my passion. Just thinking my love language. You don't study from the Tyndale Bible? Uh, no, I'm an actual Christian. Uh, <laughs> do you know the Greeks got well, the Bible from the 1611? Back, I'll let you guys get back to your podcast. I'm getting a call from another friend, so I'll, I'll let you guys go. I'll call you right. after. Stay sweet. I'll miss you. See ya. Love y'all. Love you. Love you. What a good guy. That was a, that was a romantic uh, episode to our podcast. I was looking at the timestamp of where we were at, and I just see my phone ringing, and I was like, it's like clockwork. Well, no, let me let me back this up. Seth is stating his fun fact, and I look over, and I just see a very close-up shot of Dylan McGee <laughs> on, <laughs> on Isaac's screen. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Seth, what was I, your fun fact? <laughs> I still do not have a fun fact. I got distracted by the conversation. Um, I... I, I did the Irish accent, but I don't think I explained that I'm obsessed with Ireland, and uh, I have no real reason for it. It started for like a project in middle school, and we were we were writing this like paper of like places like we want to go for like the summer or something, and so I was like talking about Germany, and I completely meant Ireland, but for some reason my mind was on Germany, um, and then I did some research later. And I discovered that I my real obsession was Ireland. And then I uh, read a lot of books about like the mythos and uh, Celtic theology, like our right, yeah, uh, yeah. like doctrine, paganism and doctrine, yeah. th- their own uh, like historical uh, mythical figures and stuff. And it always just really drew me in. It was really int- intriguing stuff. And so that's that's my fun fact. Hmm. All right. Well, I think penal substitution is a good way to go. I. I mean. Do you know what penal substitution means? Not right now. It's late. Okay. <laughs> I so, feel like I would. And, at, at another time. And that's also something that we should <laughs> clarify for the listeners. Um, penal substitution is the doctrine of how uh, Jesus' death on the cross was a substitute for our penalty. 
Pen- so penal, penal penalty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, substitution being Jesus on the cross. So how, you know, how exactly Jesus' death on the cross paves the way for salvation for man? Well, I mean, I mean, there's a very real argument for that looking back at, uh, and maybe my understanding of the concept is misconstrued, um, but the example like set in scripture, uh, you know, of foretelling of Christ and but uh, Abraham and Isaac go up a mountain, and Isaac is there to like to be sacrificed by Abraham because God has told him to do so, and so he lays him out on the altar and he raises up the knife to kill him, and the angel stops him. Um, again, I don't know if he actually you know pulled up the knife or whatever, but from the and and from that he provi- and God provided a lamb. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of an example of what Christ did for us. He took our sins mm-hmm. um, because as an offering to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I forget where I uh, read this, but I know I read this somewhere. Um, and the author was talking about the Old Testament law mm-hmm. and the question of whether or not the Old Testament law or the Old Testament covenant was a covenant based on works or based on you know grace Mm -hmm. and his his what he wrote about it is basically that um yes (laughs) Yes. um (laughs) that's a good answer you know that even in the old testament they were still looking forward you know they were looking forward to jesus work on the cross obviously they didn't know what form that would take they didn't know um you know how that would be exactly fleshed out, but they knew that there would be a Messiah coming. A kindred redeemer. Yeah. And, you know, us now, instead of looking forward to the redemption, we look back at Christ's work on the cross Mm -hmm. as our salvation. And so this author was writing, and he said, you know, it's both. It is a conditional covenant, um, but... It's dependent not on humans' actions. It's dependent upon Christ's actions. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the emphasis is on Christ as opposed mm-hmm. to us. I want to say that was God's kingdom through God's covenants. Yeah, because... Well, I think uh, that was it. Uh, like, if you look in history, like, Israel is supposed to be, like, a light into the world. And, like, mm-hmm. even, uh, I think, I want to say Nathan, the prophet, when he... Yes, when, when, when he was being confronted by the people to put a king in place and Samuel it was it Samuel yeah it was Samuel Samuel was the um, one put <laughs> king yeah. that's anyway me. anyway I but but Samuel you know went to the people and he was like you don't want this like this is going to be bad for you um because the people of Israel were trying to be like everybody else when God had told them to be set apart and you know having a king set over them brought stability at the time, because they already were not, you know, listening to God. Um, but it also brought, you know, high taxes and everything else that, you know, Samuel had told them they would have because mm-hmm. of this. Um, but through their mistakes, you know, God used that to bring about the new covenant. Because it's essentially, like, because you were talking about Celtic, you know, mythology and mm-hmm. paganism so it seems like because 
I asked my worldview professor, he said, you know, we always, like, pagan and heathen cultures, they always want to go back to their roots. They always want to go back to the earth. You know, they're just so fascinated with the idea that the more primitive you are, the more holier you are. So it's like, the more you know, primitive you are, the more pure you are. And there's just a sense of enlightenment you get out of it. So, you know, we, we have a friend, um, his, he, I guess, got in touch with this guy who is an Odinist. And essentially, he looks into, like, Norse mythology, and he looks into Thor and Odin, and essentially Ragnarok is their apocalypse, you know, that happens. And I, I, I don't know. No, that doesn't sound right. I, I think it's the heaven. Like, Ragnarok's, like, the heaven or the Ragnarok is the apocalypse or in okay, the world. Okay, okay, it was the apocalypse. Uh, uh, heaven... Ragnarok was the movie that Thor no, was no, in. Not no, the Marvel no, one. No, no, <laughs> Not the Marvel one. Valha- Valhalla is their heaven, which okay, is Valhalla. only for the warriors. Uh, yeah. I don't know if there I, is another heaven for people that are not warriors. So, I'll be honest, I'm only like one mission into the campaign of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, so I don't know anything <laughs> about North mythology yet. <laughs> Give me a few weeks and I'll be there. Okay, I, okay. I, I don't know a ton. I know Thor was very different than depicted. Just like Hercules. Hercules is apparently like a horrible person in like actual mytho- mythology. But like, you know, we He's had a the, brat. We had the Disney movie. Yeah. And it's just that's what I want to view Hercules yeah. as. <laughs> Cause like with the primitive roots, you know, because we have like all these tribes, you know, then we there's almost like this new hipster mentality of adopting like a mythology. You know, it's just this new fad, you know, like, because I guess the Odinist kid, like, he and his brother, you know, are under the leadership of his dad, and his dad is, like, full-blown, like, he has the long beard, braids, you know, like, tattoos on the shoulders and chest, and, like, essentially, like, full pig and full... Are you sure he's not just, like, a barista? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I mean, he could be. Straight out, straight out of forged in fire, you know, <laughs> making axes, but no, but like the whole idea of just, and I think we see that in the church too, of like, you try to go back to tradition almost a, as a sense of purity as a, instead of just following what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think, sorry, uh, Sam was about to say something. Uh, I was just about to say, like, I think that the, the tradition of the church is misdirected. I guess, like, when we go to the, you know, when people that are in the church trying to go to tradition, um, and I have nothing, like, I have nothing against tradition. If, you know, if that works for your church, go with it. Um, But we need to understand what is, you know, what is Orthodox Christian doctrine and Orthodox Christian polity versus what is a tradition in your local body. Exactly. Um, And again, it's nothing, there's nothing wrong with having those traditions, the problem is when you equate those traditions to what church is supposed to be like universally. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, a church in southern Georgia is not going to look the same as a church in the Philippines. Yeah, not at all. Um, yeah. And so when we, you know, when we say, like, you have to have these, you know, these traditions, uh, the big one that has been going on recently is hymns. You know, hymns versus worship music. And I, I love hymns. I love worship music. I go either way with that. But here's the thing. Jesus did not sing hymns. The early church did not sing hymns. Many of those hymns weren't written until like the 
1800s, and a lot of them were written over bar tunes. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, again, when, you know, when we equate, like, if you're having church, you have to sing hymns, says who? Yeah. But you're almost treating, like, because it, it's a form of worship. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, you know, the Holy Spirit's not a culture. You know, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit's not a, a westernized idea, you know. And if anything, it'd be a Midwestern, uh, Midwestern, more like a Middle Eastern concept, but the Holy Spirit's universal. Mm-hmm. Like different cultures, different, you know, the Holy Spirit works within the cultural context. And we are a very individ- individualistic society, you know, but, you know, other countries out there, they're more in the sense of like corporate, tribal, family worship. Mm-hmm. And what was really cool was we just had a guest speaker from Wycliffe Bible. He came, and what he was telling us about was, um, you know, there's I'd never heard of this. There's these New Testament dedications. Do you know what that is? Yeah, we were in the class. In the class with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We were there with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but explain it for, for our viewers. For the viewers, viewers uh, I didn't know this, but all two when, of you. When you have <laughs> when you have the IMB. You have what missionaries. <laughs> I quit. I'm done. Are we talking about that? No. No, 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 no. So definitely an inside joke was said that may or may not be explained. Uh, that's that's well, one example explained. I'm okay with not explaining. Okay. But going back to like the IMB stuff, when you're talking about the missions work, right, you have... People always forget, you know, when you're doing missions and witnessing to different countries, you bring the Wycliffe Bible translators with you because the Bible needs to be translated. So if you have a country that's doing a New Testament dedication, they're receiving the New Testament in their language for the very first time. And so it's just normally these tribes, they put on this big giant ceremony, this, you know, the celebration that Jesus is king God has shown them, you know, himself to them and just receiving that gift for the first time of they are accepted in God's kingdom. They're they're children of God and like just that it's just an amazing experience from what he was telling us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going back on the uh issue of like trying to go back to tradition to be holy. Yeah. Um I, I think I think so often as Christians, because we get, we get in our down spots, we get frustrated with things, and we want the easy steps to be holy. Yeah. Um. So we're like, we'll take a trip to Jerusalem, and you know that man. That's that's a lot of. I want to get like, baptized for the fifth time in the yeah Jordan and it, River, and, and it, like you know that may take take a lot of resources, but it doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah. In the Word, because you just spend the money, you go over mm-hmm. there, you get baptized, um, and you have this spiritual experience. Whereas, you know, like, that's not what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as you want to be holier, you are sanctified by studying his word and being obedient. Exactly. Um, And growing in him. That holiness, that righteousness. So we were talking about earlier, um, we did a Bible study before this. uh, We were talking about kind of making gods in our own image. And, you know, I think the, the Catholics had, you know, back going back to the 1500s mm-hmm. they had a pretty good thing going you know just you just pay some money and then boom that's counted as like righteousness you know you get to do 
uh, what were those called? The Olms. The, that's not Olms. It's, I, I think that's one name for them, but basically, you you know, you pay, you get to do something like pray these steps, and then like you're good. Um, and you know that that strategy is it's a very effective way of doing it. Oh yeah. Because when you make you know. When you make it, say, pay 20 bucks, mm-hmm. and boom, you're good. You're on a right standing with God. That's a lot easier than dying to yourself. Yeah. That's a lot easier than taking up a cross. You know, just wearing a wearing a rosary and walking up some steps and praying as you do it. That's a whole lot easier. Yeah. And that's, and that's why, like, you know, as, as you see so many people fall away from the faith it's because we are called to die to self and that's not that's not it's late and i can't think of the words uh (laughs) (laughs) that's not you know in line with human reasoning we don't want to die to self we want to make ourselves better i think one of the biggest things you see and and i think you know it's true in the gospel that there were there were people that were probably still christians um that you know followed christ but in in the end, like when he died, they just ran away. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think you see that oftentimes in like modern Christianity. There's so many of us that are gonna be the the standby Christians. Yeah, we just want to be like cultural Christians well, versus well, authentic. Christians. And and you you might even be saved, but all you want is to go to worship. You want to be filled. Yeah. You don't want to yeah. go and serve people. You don't mm-hmm. want to go and die to self. You want just to get by and go to heaven. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas like that's not what we're called to do as Christians. Because that's easy. You don't have to put in the effort. Yeah, and, and we we have to make the constant conviction of ourselves to go to the Word and go serve God, serve people. Mm-hmm. I know in the passage I'm reading, well, I'm giving a sermon on it tomorrow night. Well, no, no, uh, Wednesday night. Ooh, and nice. So you got the paralyzed man. He's being lowered through the roof by his four friends, mm-hmm. and Jesus is going to heal him. You got all the scribes and all the Pharisees that are there, and he he essentially when he's being lowered you know all and then he's healed all the scribes are trying to you know they're doubting in their hearts and essentially they're like why you know like why is he blaspheming you know and then i can't even think what, what was i trying to say essentially it is easier what is easier said you know, your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, all the Pharisees at the time, they were thinking, okay, I'm going to, you know, tell all these people, you know, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven, you know, by your actions. You know, it, it's human-based. But Jesus is judging the heart, and he says, your sins are forgiven. But then not only that, the physical healing aspect of this crippled man is now walking almost shows the authority to forgive sins that the Pharisees never even had in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so it's just this, you know, you can say, oh, your sins are forgiven all you want, but it's just it's just this amazing concept of Jesus has authority over spiritual powers. You know, like no demon, no spiritual entity can ever harm you. Yeah. How did we get here from penal substitution? I don't even know. Uh, I think someone took it off track. 
I know. <laughs> there was that concept. It, it of might like, have been me. I don't remember. Like words versus mm-hmm. uh, yeah. We so see, yeah, we go down a rabbit trail. So a lot. we're we're going back to penal substitution. Penal substitution. Um. Sam, explain your understanding of. Do you believe that it is true? Penal substitution in scripture. Yeah. Okay. Good. I mean, that's like, like that's, uh, I know, that's yeah, like yeah. core Christian doctrine. Um, <laughs> well, like so, we're we're discussing it as if it's a debated topic. So I just I thought it would be good if you. Well, okay. Anyway, so clarify. So my my understanding of it. Um, goodness i cannot remember the reference for this but when uh jesus says you know someone strikes you on the cheek turn your other cheek um you know they lived in a eye for an eye culture and so you know if if you if you steal somebody's goat they get to steal your goat if you uh i don't i don't know if you pluck their eye out they get to pluck your eye out. You know, that's that's kind of the justice system of that day. And so if somebody strikes you on the cheek, well, the justice that's due to that person is that you get to strike them on the cheek. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to repay them what they give you. Um, but then Jesus commands us, if somebody strikes us on the cheek, to turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. And so essentially what he's saying is, you know, Somebody sins against you. You then, in turn, absorb the justice that's due to them. Wow. You take that upon yourself. And that's kind of how penal substitution works is, you know, we need to understand that our sins are not just against ourselves or it's not just against our friends. It's not against our family. It is against God. You know, David, after, after sleeping with Bathsheba and... Uh, having her husband murdered, he says, you know, he prays, I have sinned against you and you alone, God. You know, ultimately, yes, he did do wrong by those people, but his sin was directed against God. Um, and that that's the same today. That's how our sin is. It is against God. And so when we understand that our sin is directed against God, but then God tells us, absorb the justice, mm-hmm. absorb what is due to the other person. Well, that's him giving a picture of what his justice is like. Yeah. Well, there, so, oh, you, sorry, sorry. Uh, we were, we had to read a book for a project in class. Um, it, it's a church planning class and the book is church planter. Uh, the man, the message, the mission by Darren Patrick. And he gives this great example when he's talking about, you know, sin destroying. And um, he, he talks about how there there was this man who was broke, uh, had no money, and he had to give him, lend him $300. Um, you know, he prayed about it and d- decided to do it. And that, that person never paid him back. And so, in a sense, from that, he had to absorb that um, payment um, because, because, you know, he had given up something for that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with God, it's not a great example, but God gave his son for our sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
paying such a greater payment than we could ever pay because in our sinful states, we can never get to heaven through that. Mm-hmm. So. And so it's almost not like the equivalent, you know, that our sins are that bad, but it's his love is even greater than how big our sin even oh, was yeah. in the first mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this huge debt we owed, literally death. Yeah. Like our life, like death sentence mm-hmm. of everything we've ever done, his love just blew it out of like out of the water. And yeah. That's just something I'm, I'm just, it's hitting me late at night and a little philosophical, you know, <laughs> mind blowing. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you know? uh, we, we had a good, good message today because we had, um, at our college, we, we do it. We're doing a thing called Sir Mondays, so they do sermons on Monday. No, it's not what it's called. Uh, that That's is what it's, that is what it's called. called. Chapel services. No, I'm not talking no, no, about no, no, chapel. No. I'm talking about uh, late This night. is a different thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's Sir Mondays, which I both hate and love. Oh, they um, talk about this yeah, morning. Yeah, no, I was no, like, no one calls no. it Sir and, Mondays. Uh, and there was we we, we listened to an older message by Louis Giglio, and it talked about like the vastness and grace greatness of God. Um, and that also equates to, you know, him taking our, our sin. Like he, he is so great that he could bear it all. Also, I'm really tired. So I lost my point of track, <laughs> point of thought. Um, it hits you in waves. You'll notice cause, it. Cause like I'll have you'll a get these clouds and you'll just fade into it. Yeah. I, it happened I, to me twice. I blame Sam for this. So go ahead, Sam. Okay. Okay. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Wait, wait a minute. I think I saw this thing happening in the garden, <laughs> the, the blame game. Dude, um, we play the blame game. <clears throat> okay, so I've got a question. Go. This is on the topic of penal substitution. There is actually some debate on this, if you mm-hmm. include the much more liberal... Controversies. Um, Sorry. Not like politically liberal. You said, but that like, with, you said that with so much anger. The much more liberal. No, <laughs> liberal. Not... Not politically liberal, but like progressive, like progressively or progressive Christianity. Um, I don't. If sorry, okay, so there might be progressive Christianity that fits within the bounds of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I I don't think the majority of progressive Christianity is at all in any sense Christian. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, just I, I I have to put so that out. We there. can go there later. So the distinction, some. the distinction that I would make is. If the theology is still orthodox, yeah, um, but you know the service looks different. The pastor is wearing skinny jeans. That that's fine. That's still skinny fine. jeans are. Um, my fiance doesn't like that. I would rather preach in skinny jeans than in a suit. Uh, <laughs> so you, there's this but, new thing. They they have khakis that are skinny jeans, or they're yes. not skinny jeans, but they're like they, yes, yeah. I so you can pair. get those. So they're can I have to preach. Yeah, yeah. That's what I. So you preach it. That's what I wear to church on Sundays. Um, anyways, so the question that is discussed a lot is okay, so if God needed Jesus to die on the cross for us, mm-hmm. as in the only way that we could come to salvation is if someone died in our place, does that make God a cosmic child abuser? What? Say it again. If God demanded he was that something, off sh- child abuse. <laughs> if God demanded that somebody die in His place and allowed His Son to go there for us, does that make Him a cosmic child abuser? 
No. Okay, so... I'm just going to preface this. The answer is no. Yeah, yeah. The um, answer is no. We're um, going to discuss why. <laughs> Trinity, the word is with God. The word is God. The word is Jesus. <laughs> You're on the right track. You're just not saying it right. <laughs> I know. I'm... I'm I was just blown away by the... I, I don't like that argument at all. Anyway, I mean, Sam, Sam, explain it properly because I'm tired. Explain the question? No, the answer. Okay. <laughs> Isaac, do you want to take trying this to think before like, I go and do it? The ch- So, in order for it to be child abuse, it has to imply that the father is neglecting. Or that the child you know, is also of its own volition. Well, well, there's also, like, the fact that God's full wrath was poured out on Jesus and Jesus is the son. So that would child abuse is not just neglect; it's also well, abuse. I mean, I was going to get to that, and this man <laughs> sorry interrupted me. I got to go back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus himself went to God and he prayed to him, and he was like, "God, if if there be any other way, let this you oh, know yeah. let let this cup pass from me." But at the end of it, he says, "Lord, let your will be done." But doesn't that depict an un- an unloving God? Ooh, no, spicy. it's a lo- loving Jesus Christ. But he demanded that someone die. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So he didn't care. He just wanted well, someone no, to die. Th- that's, be- that's because God is perfect in everything. God. Aww. So so God, I, I, and I say this and some people are going to cringe when I say it, but you have to let me finish explaining it. Uh, God is love. God is fully love. Within that, God's love entails his wrath, entails his justice, entails all those aspects of him. Um, And his just wrath is part of his love. Um, When we sin against him, we are failing to live up to the qualifications of perfect, but we are also sinning against a holy, perfect God. Mm, And something has to pay that price. Um, or, you know, the punishment of sin is death. Um, you know, we, we will never understand God's infinite wisdom and, you know, why things have to be exactly the way they are. Um, because, you know, to our finite minds, it might seem backwards because we don't have all the details, but what we do have in scripture is very clear. Um, and go ahead. I I do just want to (laughs) clarify. I was, I was not like actually believing the things i said i just oh, no, I, I was antagonizing Sorry. seth just for the purpose of the conversation and for antagonizing seth because it's fun to do um there's a lot of entertainment that comes from it just from me they, they just but, like to pick on me but um okay cosmic child abuse first thing we need to understand i'm still thinking about that comment earlier which one the inside joke oh <laughs> Okay, so first thing that needs to be understood when it comes to the question of cosmic child abuse is the Trinity, which obviously we cannot fully understand that. But what I mean by understand that is that Jesus was fully God. Right. You know, he was fully indwelt by the Spirit and by the Father. He was fully um, God, uh, you know, in the flesh. Yes, God, so man. it was not like... Like, it was not like the offspring of God. Like, Jesus himself was God. Um, With that, as you said... But isn't he the son of God? (laughs) He is God the son. God the son. 
But anyways, <laughs> um, where was I? It's really late, so we keep losing our train of thought. Um, okay, so Trinity, uh, as you said, Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus went to the cross willingly. At any point, he could have called down legions of angels to did set he? him free. And yes, he did. Did he go to the cross willingly? That's well, why he remained well, silent. Have you have you looked at? Um, sorry, I know you're doing this to antagonize us. Um, but in, in Mark, yes, you are. When he is going through the trials that he is, when he is sent into the wilderness, and he he goes through different parts of scripture, and basically, like even Satan's like, "Hey, you could you could turn this loaf into bread if you wanted to," mm-hmm. and he doesn't. Um, and you you could you know bow down to me, and everything would be yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the connotation is like the devil could give it to him then, uh, but you know God had a bigger plan. Yeah, and Jesus knew that plan. Was yeah. there at a point where he dreaded the cross? Yes. Garden of Gethsemane. The cross. <laughs> and the cross. Does, does, Being beaten. Does dread, you mean, so does dreading the cross mean unwillingly? No. What it shows is that he was, yes, fully God, but he was also fully so man. So the human anxiety, the human dread of going to the cross, but the spiritual will of willingly going. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um. So again, Jesus willingly went to the cross. And again, um, I think that, yeah, sorry. I, I think a good way to look at this is when you don't understand. If I it. had a dollar for every sorry. time. Okay. This you man came in too, like a, okay. Uh, anyway. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. It, <coughs> no. Like the Polar Express train. Just Polar yeah. Express train. No, Sorry. okay, my, my note was very short before Isaac interrupted me, and now we're sidetracked before I could even make the point. I'm not the victim. Samuel's Sam's, the victim. I know Sam's about You've cut really... this man off like six times. That's because Sam talks a lot, and I Mom, love Dad, stop fighting. <laughs> All right. Yes, dear, so, I love anyway, your father gonna, very I, much. I was going to add... You're the mom? <laughs> I don't know what's going I on. I took on the mom role. Um... All right, Seth. All right, so you interrupted go us. back to it because Isaac distracted us, <laughs> and we lost a very Blame valid, me again. I am a victim. Valid point. Okay. It wasn't that valid if you forgot I'll, it. I'll probably be able to interrupt Sam in just a little bit, so yeah. go ahead. Um, oh, okay. So, along with this, another question that would be asked, why does God even demand hell? Why does God demand punishment? Um, which Can you go back to your previous... I'm, I'm on that. Do you remember what it was? You literally just proved no. my point. <laughs> no, I, I had a point. <laughs> you just proved my point. As part of his thing. No, that's not actually in I'm telling you I to know, go back. I know, I know. Okay. So what I was saying, I just, okay, so this semester, I, love you. This love semester you I have had so much reading, so I've not had a chance to do like my own pleasure reading. However, Yesterday, I was able to start again, and I started with How Could a Loving God Send Anyone to Hell by Dr. Benjamin M. Skog, a.k.a. the president of Scarborough College, a.k.a. my former pastor when I lived in Colorado. Dr. Skog. Ben, if you're listening to this, what's up? He's not going to listen to this. He's going to listen to this. I'm (laughs) I added him on Facebook, so he might. Oh, nice. Did he add you back? No. (laughs) (laughs) But... Anyways, um, you know, one of the things that he talks about is that we always like to say, you know, God is love. 
mm-hmm. and that's true, but we don't like to, um, you know, really clarify what that means. Yeah. You know, we don't like to address the fact that perfect love, if it is truly perfect love, entails wrath and justice and uh, basically that any sin will be repaid. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we look at God's love, we have to understand that for him to love the earth, to love his creation, and to love his people requires wrath. It requires that something, you know, that, that justice be had. Yeah. Um, you know, he used the example of Pol Pot. I had the guy in, I forget where, um, basically murdered like millions of people and really terrible, terrible person, um, like warlord. And that person, you know, it's easy for us to look at and say, that person deserves hell. Mm -hmm. That person deserves eternal punishment for what he did. Um, you know the the athletic or the athletic doctor something i forget what it's been a long day so i forget the names that he used <laughs> but you know there was a doctor who took advantage of a bunch of um his patients that person you know again that person deserves punishment and that person was held that person was um taken to court sentenced to like 200 years in prison Good. And the the judge said, I signed your death certificate, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, I basically signed on you dying in prison. And that judge was, you know, held as a hero for that. Yeah. You know, the, the victims of that man went and thanked the judge. Yet we don't think that God has that right to. Ooh. Yeah. You know, we assume that God doesn't have the right to hold people accountable for their right. actions. Yeah. Um, and so, for God to be perfectly loving to us, he has to have wrath. He has to have justice. He has to demand that sin be held accountable. Mm-hmm. That sin be held to the people. And so, when we're th- looking at the cross, we have to understand that it was absolutely necessary. You know, it was absolutely necessary. Well, it was absolutely necessary in order for God to forgive us. Mm-hmm. But he would have also been just as just, just as loving, just as um, righteous had he not sent anyone. Mm-hmm. Hebrews even clarifies that God did not send anyone for the angels. Yeah. But it is a, a blessing. It is a great salvation that he sent for us. Yeah. But he is perfectly justified in not sending anybody to save the fallen angels. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I make good points. I'm, I'm, I had a good point. I don't I'm, remember what it was. I'm, I, I, like, I'm glad that Jesus came as the penal substitution. Because what would we do without him? <laughs> I mean, we, we would die and burn in hell. Exactly. Because, um, like, we can never... You know, live up to the expectation that yeah, because just because like sin, sin has been brought down within the flesh, like um, you know, from Adam and Eve, and even them who were made perfectly in God's image fell into temptation. Right. 
Um, the only person who ever <laughs> didn't was Jesus. It is like, isn't it weird that that line of Judah, that line of David, Jesus is the last of that line? Like, you ever think about that? Like, the ancestry, like, the genealogy? No. No, I'm saying, like... He's not the last of that line. He's not the last. Oh. There were other children. Oh, yeah. Was it James? What? No, no. His brother? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but no, what... Like, that's just listing, like, the first in line in that line. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, there's other branches of that line. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I was just... I was picturing, I was just like... Yeah, so it's not a line. When it's, it's late at night, well, yeah, I get, yeah, I get yeah. on this train of thought, this philosophical train of thought, and then I realize that doesn't make sense. But yeah, it no, makes it, sense for like a spark. Yeah, and and it, that's one of the things. Like I, there, there is so often in like studying the Bible, you have to be very careful because you you start saying things that you you right. swear came from Scripture, <laughs> and is you find out later. Agenda. And you find out later, well, it's either it's either church agenda or it is how your brain has interpreted interpreted that scripture over the years when you have not looked at that specific scripture. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and like even studying through the Bible, you'll miss it. You want to know the worst part to re- or the worst time to realize that? Oh no! When you're two points into a sermon. Yeah. Oof. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I I've never done this luckily because I've not had many preaching opportunities. But I, I've I've heard many horror stories. Sam, do you have one? Yeah, there was one time I I forget what I was preaching on. I was I was preaching through Hebrews, and uh, I realized about twenty minutes into the sermon, I'm like setting up for point three. I'm about to drive it home, and I look at my paper. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. That's and not like, what Scripture says. Well, well like. <laughs> I look at it and I'm like, wait a second. I don't remember what the sermon, like what the sermon was about. I don't remember what the point was, but I just remember looking at it and I was like, wait, but this passage says the exact opposite. Oh crap. And I just like, instead of moving on to that point, I just like drug out point number two. And then I was like, let's pray. Me, me and Sam have had many discussions <laughs> in the dorm, and half the, like, I, I just remember one time distinctly, we were discussing, and I said something, and I was like, I don't know where that comes from. I, and I, I just stopped, and I was, I was like, that that's not something that I pulled from scripture, that is something that I've pulled from my tradition in church. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that we have to be very careful of when studying the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do want to say, for all the heretics out there, there is absolutely nothing wrong with realizing that, like, what you believed was wrong. <laughs> or that, like, freedom in accepting <laughs> like, you're, that you've been wrong. Yeah, just if you're reading through Scripture and you find something that's wrong and you've argued on Facebook that you're right about this point, but you see in the Bible that you're wrong on that, just go delete just those posts. It. Yeah, just delete the posts. <laughs> no proof. Just admit that you're wrong. Because it's exhausting it, trying to put out lies out there. If I'm gonna take some like high school dropout versus the Bible, 
yeah, I'm going to take the Bible. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And it's one of those things, like, as you learn, you're, you're going to grow and you're going to change as you study the scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, you are you probably have a lot of preconceived notions, even from people that come into the church late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to have belief systems and ideas that you bring to the scripture. It's what we learned in hermeneutics. You know, you're going to bring your own things to it. You have to be careful to study it in the then and then bring it into the now. And a big key factor is who is he writing to? What audience is he writing to? Yeah. Because we immediately assume, I mean, this Western civilization immediately thinks, I'm reading the Bible, it was meant for me, so I'm going to interpret the passage of what is going on in my life, as opposed to getting, <laughs> like, bless you, getting like a better understanding of fruit when you're learning what they went through. And then there's just a better application. There's yeah. just yeah. More. Well, so we were discussing that with our Bible study because there, there's a really good part in because we're we're studying uh, <laughs> Jer- Jeremiah. This Two's week, a magic number. And we're on the <laughs> and we're on the first chapter, and there's there's a good part that talks about you know, do not let your youth be an excuse basically. Um, and again, this passage is specifically talking to the person that it's talking to. Yeah. However. You can apply it to your daily life, but you have to understand the context that it's in and what is said there exactly. is specifically talking about that person. But we can see examples in Scripture, in other places in Scripture, that in a way you can apply it to yourself. You just have to make sure you understand the context that it's within. It Does it do any harm if one preaches a sermon with no application? Where it's just strictly dissecting the story and what it meant. What? There are definitely pastors that would disagree with me. Um, and I, because like we're studying in pastoral ministry and it, it basically says always have an application. Um, and I, I think. This was brought up a few semesters I, ago. I, like, should sermons always have an application? I think there are different points in which it can be simply the story but i think that story in itself has an application yeah mm-hmm. um and like God you know, the, jo- the, jo- the job through. as a pastor is usually to bring that out even if you are just simply telling the story mm-hmm. um you know because one of the biggest things i've heard in our pastoral ministry class that has stuck out to me is you're going to preach about a maybe a little bit of B, but your main point's going to be about A, and right. someone in your audience is going to hear C. It's just going to happen. Um, and so then I, some, someone will get triangle, someone will get like, yeah. <laughs> like a hashtag, you know? Now, now that hashtag person, you might need to bring back and talk yeah. with them yeah. separately. <laughs> hashtag sermons are the best. Oh, gosh. <laughs> if you can't hashtag a sermon... Then you got to go back to the drawing board. Yep. That's, yep. Yeah. yeah. Each point has to be a, sh- a separate hashtag. I'm just kidding on that, by the way. Uh. You're you're preaching on Genesis and rejecting, you know. And disaster like came snake. upon them. Hashtag they were naked. <laughs> hashtag bag snake. No, we don't need it. Hashtag be the light. Sneaky snake. But 
can we pray for you guys this week? Like, just the three of us. Pray for my nose. Yeah, I don't know. He's sneezing it. I really hope we don't get COVID. No, it's freaking allergies. I've been stuffed up for, like, the past month. Yeah, spring's bad. (laughs) It's good, though. I like spring. Yeah. Joy gets it really bad. She'll... It'll come in many, many forms. Throat, nose, just drowsiness. Mm. It's, it's bad. So in the podcast, I think Isaac presented a pretty good idea. Yeah. Um, praying for our audience. Yeah. Frick yeah. Um, Isaac, I think since you started the idea. I was going to say, do you have pr- prayer you need anything for? Uh, specifically for me, um, that I succeed well in my ministry. Solid. That's I know it's very, very generic, but like, um, it, it, I think I think that definitely. I mean, includes that covers like, all areas. Well, though. yeah, it includes like daily life and stuff because there, there's a lot of stuff that I need to build up on, um, especially before because like I, I want to go into the mission field. Um, before I get there, I need to build myself up. Mm-hmm. You know, right. more and more. Like not not that I don't need it for past regular pastoral ministry, but. So, yeah, just be praying that I can focus this week. Yeah. Just praying for our minds. Just be yeah. praying that next week I'll have a better prayer request. Yeah. Because mine sounds lame now. <laughs> mine was, mine was, well, I mean, mine was very generic. I, I, I elaborated on it. What was your prayer request? My nose. Your nose? Oh, okay. I mean, we always have family that are in need of it. We yeah. always got friends that are in need of it. Churches. Mm-hmm. So just whole spectrum for sure i mean i will lead us in prayer we appreciate you guys listening um lord here we are before you so humbled in your presence thank you that we are able to gather here and we thank you for the listeners we pray that your word will be known there will be an enjoyment and satisfaction fully met in you lord we want to gather in your name we want to do ministry wherever we are wherever um, you lead us lord we want to follow your commands and what you have in store for us you know just give us an abundant life give us a life of blessing we pray for our minds as we are focused this week we pray for our hearts as we are emotionally ready to take on whatever you have in store for us we pray for our spirits that we are in your presence lord and i pray that you know we will be safe wherever we are. We will be under your provision wherever we are. And that we will continue to bless you wherever we are. And we give you the praise in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. 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 We love you guys. We thank you for listening. Yeah. This is Integrity Ministries. Stay have sweet. a wonderful week. You too. You, I hope you I'm have talking, a good week. I'm talking to them. I was talking you. to you. You looked <laughs> in the eyes. I hope you have a good week, sir. Yeah. Integrity Ministries.